Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. We have a good show today. We're going to talk about why Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be on the hot seat for by the fans. We'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about Rob Domofsky saying Rodgers being on the hot seat, and we'll get into why I think it's unfair. Yet I understand, not necessarily understand, but I know why fans are doing that. Secondly, we're going to talk about the comeback Brewers. They All they do is come back and win baseball games. We'll talk about the win against the Reds. We'll look ahead to tonight. Uh, Reds Brewers with Brandon Woodruff and Luis Castillo on the mounts. We'll talk a little bit about the Brew Crew. And then we have Mike Bunnels. They're getting a contract extension. We'll explain that and talk through if it makes sense for the Bucks. If he's adding, heading into his Rick Carlisle phase, um, we'll talk about that a little bit more at the tail end of the show. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers is, the spotlight will be on him. It may never be brighter than it is this year. You can make the argument that this is probably the most attention Aaron Rodgers will have on him at the start of the season from Packer fans, from NFL fans, since 2008, maybe 2011 in a like more positive way. Because he had just won a Super Bowl, he looked like the next great quarterback, and all eyes were kind of on him because they expected him to sort of ascend to a new level, which he kind of did. He had an awesome year in 2011 um, following the Super Bowl win. Now, the Packers obviously petered out in the divisional round after going 15-1, but we, we all know that story, and we don't need to relive it. Aaron Rodgers has kind of emerged from the shadows into the spotlight and the focus is on him. It, it, it's partly due to the MVP. That's, I think, a small percentage point that Aaron Rodgers became this great quarterback again um, after a few years of struggling. I mean, we remember before the 2020 season, there were some people who didn't think Aaron Rodgers was a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. That was out there on the internet. You can go find it. It, it exists. So it, it, that kind of is one part, but it's a very small part. The other part, which is the larger conversation as the whole, I want out, I don't want to be a Packer, that rubbed so many people the wrong way. So many people did not like that. They did not like that Aaron Rodgers said that he did not want to be a Packer, that he wanted to leave this team. Now, I don't think Aaron Rodgers ever said he wanted out, quote unquote. I think it was misconstrued by the media. I think a lot of people bought into that media narrative. And in reality, it was Aaron Rodgers was frustrated and Aaron Rodgers didn't want to be a lame duck. But that does not put asses in the seats or put clicks on ESPN.com. Okay, So the idea that Aaron Rodgers wanted out kind of bled into a lot of fans. So when Rob Domofsky, who also works for ESPN, says that Aaron Rodgers is on the hot seat to start the season, he isn't wrong. I don't agree with it, but I understand what Rob Domofsky is saying because there is a large group of fans that will rain holy hell on Rodgers in social, on social media, on local radio, if the Packers do lose. And not only do they lose, if they start slow. So if the Packers start out one and two, let's just say, or heaven forbid, one three, they have a tough schedule to start. Like they lose to New Orleans, they lose to Pittsburgh, they lose to San Francisco. And they're one and three to start the year after the quarter way of the NFL season. 
there will be a lot of national media. The Packers are the biggest disappointment. Should the Green Bay Packers trade Aaron Rodgers? That will be a real conversation, by the way. Like, even though it's four games in, people are going to be like, all right, should the Packers, like, trade Aaron Rodgers? That that will be discussed. That That is not something that people will just ignore. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, it, it will be all just overreaction because, and we've seen this before, you know, the classic R-E-L-A-X, relax, the shush. The Packers have started slow before and ended up making not only the playoffs, but making a deep run in the playoffs. But that won't matter to some Packer fans. Some people will blame Aaron Rodgers for not being connected with this team as the reason that they lost. And there will be the pressure, like we said, on Rodgers to perform night in and night out more than ever before. Now, I don't think this is fair. I don't think that this is fair at all. I don't think Aaron Rodgers should be on the hot seat. Because look, Aaron Rodgers had an issue. He didn't want to be a lame duck quarterback. That is respectable. That is what I think a lot of people want. I don't think anyone wants to be a lame duck. Unfortunately for the Packers, people have gotten a lot smarter with what they the Packers do. The Packers do this lame duck shit all the time. They're doing it with Zadarius Smith too, right? And whether he, the back injury, all that shit is, is another conversation. But this is kind of their game and I think they've been figured out and they need to maybe do it a little bit quieter and do it a little bit more under the radar to say, all right, we want to get into that lame duck period where we can just replenish and replace instead of sort of keeping a guy a year longer than he needs to be. With Aaron Rodgers, he just obviously tried to buck the trend and he tried to get himself into a position where he can be here for a long time. Now, I've said this before that he wouldn't be doing this if Jordan Love wasn't good. I'm convinced Jordan Love is a very good quarterback. Now, all eyes will be on Jordan Love next year if he does, in fact, take over for Aaron Rodgers. But I do believe Jordan Love is a very good quarterback, and I, I do think that he's going to have a bright future. And Aaron Rodgers would not be putting up the stink if it wasn't for Jordan Love. And my frustrations with Rodgers over the offseason had more to do with just, it seemed like he always tried to find his way into the media. I think it was just talked about so much. I think the annoyance of Adam Schefter breaking a story on game seven, or no, it was game six, excuse me, of the Bucks suns game. Like it just, it bothered me to the core that Rodgers kept being brought up. It's because it was the best NFL topic. So I think the frustration that we talked about a little bit earlier it, it is in a large part due to the fans always hearing about Aaron Rodgers, always hearing about what Aaron Rodgers is doing on the on the football field or off the football field. And so the spotlight grew just because of the media. The media grew that spotlight and it made the fans kind of turn on Rodgers, at least some of them. I don't think it's a lot of people. And once the Packers start winning, I don't think anybody's going to give a shit. Like, if Green Bay starts out 3-0, like, let's flip this. If Green, Green Bay starts out 3-0 or they start out 4-0, no one is going to fucking care about Aaron Rodgers anymore. No one is going to raise a flag like, oh, I didn't want Aaron Rodgers on this team. People are just going to have such short memories and say, all right, we're winning football games. None of this matters. None of this matters. And I think you just need to enjoy the ride. If you're one of those people who's kind of mad about the Aaron Rodgers thing, do whatever you want with it. I understand it. But 
At the same time, it's okay to just enjoy the ride. If this is the last year of Aaron Rodgers, if this is the, the last dance, quote unquote, let's like enjoy it, man. Let's not sort of be like, all right, I fucking hate this guy. He's the reason we're one and two or we're one and three. That happens in seasons. We've seen teams come back from it. We've seen teams kind of rise from the ashes. Look at Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a great example of that last year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers looked dead in the water for half this season. They looked like a team who just sort of played up to their opponents. And then down the stretch, they got hot. As playoff season got closer, the Buccaneers got better. That can happen with any team. I'm going to use that example probably if the Packers start slow. Just be aware. But I don't think they will. And unfortunately, we're going to have to hear about Aaron Rodgers a lot to start the season. Because as I've brought up a couple times, the Packers are on all four networks the first four games of the season. That is not by accident. Everybody wants a piece of the Aaron Rodgers storyline. Fox gets it first. ESPN gets it second. NBC gets it third. And CBS gets it fourth. And they all kind of get to have their own takes on it. You get to hear from Tony Romo. You get to hear from Chris Collinsworth. You get to hear from Brian Greasy and Lewis Reddick. You get to hear from Troy Aikman. All of those guys are going to give opinions on Aaron Rodgers offseason. Just so you know. It's going to be annoying. It's going to suck. I'll probably bring it up a couple different times as we get closer and closer to the season. But that's, that's going to be how it'll be. And so it's frustrating. But at the end of the day, just enjoy the ride. So don't put Aaron Rodgers on a hot seat if he starts cold. Enjoy what you have with Rodgers because it could be gone next year. And if you're going to spend this season being mad about it, then I don't know why you should cheer for the Packers, honestly. Like, you can be mad at Rodgers, but, like, why? Why? what, what good is that? You're not going to have fun. What? What's fun about it if you, you don't cheer for your quarterback? Can you enjoy the rest of the team without cheering for Aaron Rodgers? He kind of makes the offense work. Right? Like, I guess you just cheer for the defense and the special teams, and that's what you go. You don't have to be like an Aaron Rodgers fanboy, okay? Like, I'm not I'm not saying you gotta be like his number one fan, which is Nolan Murphy. So to back off, if that's that's his number one fan. Um, but you can't really be number two. You don't have to be. That's not what I'm saying. More so what I'm saying is if the Packers struggle early, don't blame Aaron Rodgers for it. He does, he, that's not his fault. Unless it is. If Aaron Rodgers throws four interceptions a game and he looks like Brett Favre out there or he fumbles a lot or he does some dumb shit, then yeah, we can blame Aaron Rodgers and we, and I'll join you on that. But don't just immediately throw it on him if the Packers struggle. Although, as we know with sports and football especially, if anyone gets to blame, it's the quarterback. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers had a great win yesterday against the Cincinnati Reds, 7-4. They came back. They were down 4-1. They got off the deck, as Brian Anderson likes to say, uh, with a four-run seventh inning. The seventh inning, really, the only big moment was Omar Narvaez's double down the line. Um, They had two sacrifice flies after getting on base uh, from Christian Yelich and Avi Garcia, which were huge. Um, They did their job. Uh, Both guys made sure they manufactured runs, and then Narvaez delivered the big one. And then in the eighth, Colton Long went yabs and gave the Brewers a 7-4 victory. 
Bowling Brewers just keep coming back. They lead the league, or they're second in the league. I think Cincinnati actually leads the league in comeback victories. This is their 33rd of the year. Um, they only trail the Reds by one. They keep coming at you. They, they aren't afraid. The Brewers are never down. And that's something special. And that's something that makes you think that this could be a long run in the postseason. Because the Brewers have a never-say-die attitude. They might get down early. They might see some struggles from their starting pitching. Now, Corbin Burns is probably one of his worst starts in recent memory. If you look at what Corbin Burns has been doing through the last 30 days, it's been excellent. And he just scuffled today, which happens. I mean, that that happens in baseball. And you pitch, whatever, 30 starts, you're going to have a couple bad ones. So the Reds got to him. And Tyler Molly was really good. And you could argue maybe Tyler Molly stays in for the seventh or the sixth. Yeah. Maybe Tyler Molly stays in for the seventh. I think if you're doing a Reds podcast today, you're a little critical of David Bell pulling, pulling Molly, but he was at 105 pitches, so I don't know. I don't know if that would have worked. Michael Lorenzen's one of their best best relievers. He should have got the job done, but Lorenzen struggled, and he put everybody on base, and then Michael Givens, their closer, came in, and he couldn't get the job done. So that that's baseball right there. I, there's nothing I can do. Um, that's That happens. And the fact the Brewers did it against the top two Reds relievers has to be demoralizing if you're Cincinnati. Because you look at this and you say, all right, we have two good bullpen arms, but our bullpen's shaky at best uh, otherwise. We lost Trey Antone, one of their big prospects to a forearm injury after five pitches in the, in the eighth inning which had to which made us bring in Luis Sessa who was bad with the Yankees he's bad with the Reds and Cincinnati is a little bit of a mess in that bullpen now and so it's it's very reliant on Lorenzen and Givens and the Brewers were able to get runs off both guys now Givens not charged with any runs it's all on Lorenzen's stat line but Givens did give up the hit to Narvaez he did you know, the ball went in the air with Avisail and Christian Yelich. I was more impressed with Avi getting the ball in the air because that at-bat kind of stunk. Like, he didn't really have a good at-bat. It looked like he was going to strike out. But he found a way, man. He found a way to muscle it out there and get the Brewers an additional run in this game. And then they, yeah, got the insurance run, which is huge. And that that's, again, the type of stuff that wins baseball games and wins in, in October is not only coming back, but then adding on to it. In and Colton Wong has been hotter than shit. Um, Colton Wong's—that's a funny term, right? Hotter than shit, but he has been red hot um, recently, and that's a huge boost in the arm for the Brewers, especially as you have Eduardo Escobar now down for ten days, which is a bummer. Tyrone Taylor's on the D, on the IL as well. Uh, Willie Donis left with a quad contusion. They said it was precautionary. Let's hope that's the case. Um, no need to not have Willie Adamas here for the next few games. Um, so hopefully he can play tonight. Um, if he needs to rest, rest up. Uh, you need him for the long run. I know you already have one win against Cincinnati. If you can get another one t- today, you're in house money land for Thursday. But Because you win another series and you at least gain the game on the Reds at worst case scenario. Um, so maybe Adamas can't play tonight, but maybe he can go on to Thursday. We'll see. But yeah, Col- having Colton Wong being that dude is very important to the Milwaukee Brewers right now. And it's it's guiding them. Obviously, the yellow trot streak helps. He had another hit, hit in this game. Um, that helps too. 
but Colton Wong being sort of that multi-talented player because he's doing it on the on the diamond with his glove and he's doing it with his bat and that that's going to win you baseball games and having a guy like Colton Wong healthy has been a huge lift to what the Milwaukee Brewers have been doing in the last few few weeks what the Milwaukee Brewers have been doing in the last few weeks and now the Brewers sit at 28 games over 500 unbelievable they're on a 99 win pace that would break the record of the 2011 team i think that had the, the 2011 team had the record or 2018 team had the record i think it's 2011 at 96 so that would break that record um they may get to 100 they may flirt with a 100 win season that would be incredible so brewers got a 100 win season and then didn't win didn't get the number one spot in the national league that would be absurd the national league is really good national league is way better than the american league by the way i, ho- I hope everybody understands that like it is a awesome uh it's an awesome league right now. Um, they're just playing really well across the board. I mean, the Dodgers won again last night. The Giants won. Uh, the Padres didn't, but that that didn't hurt them as the Reds obviously lost two to the Brewers. The Braves lost as well. But still, it's a really solid five, five teams in that playoff right now. All five could make it to the World Series. All five could probably win the World Series. Well, not Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati can make it to the World Series. I don't think they can win it. So I'll take that back. All four, The first four can definitely uh, win it. I don't even think the Padres, if they got in, could win it. But the first four can win it. And I don't know if you can say that about the American League. I mean, Astros, Rays, Yankees, and then I think it kind of falls off. I, I don't... Red Sox, no way. Athletics, no. If Toronto got in, maybe. No, I'm not even Toronto. They have an awful bullpen, so no, no Toronto. So they have three. So that four versus three, you give it to the the National League. But I just I think they're a little bit better than their American League counterparts. As for tonight, you have Brandon Woodruff taking on Luis Castillo. Brandon Woodruff looks to bounce back after a tough start against St. Louis. Hopefully that was a blip on the radar. Luis Castillo has been one of the more unpredictable pitchers in baseball. Um, He was really bad to start the season. He's kind of leveled himself out a little bit. Um, The over-under line is eight, but Vegas still really likes the Brewers at minus 177. Corbin Burns was like minus 200 yesterday. It was crazy. But yeah, Castillo has been pretty good of late. He uh, has an ERA of 263 in his last two starts. For the month of August, though, he's 509. He had a, he had a bad he had one bad start in August that kind of screws that ERA up uh, against Cleveland. Uh, he got tagged for eight runs, so he can lose it pretty quick. And that's I think the Brewers' goal, right? How can you get Luis Castillo to kind of lose it and not get comfortable? He's a ground ball pitcher. Uh, he's had more ground balls than fly balls in the last two two months, and I think that's helped a lot of his success. The Brewers need to get him, you know, in the air, and they need to get to him early. And if he doesn't, if he struggles early, they they can easily coast in this game. But if he gets comfortable, they're fucked. Like the that's kind of his mo. Um, so we'll see what happens there if the Brewers can make it happen against Castillo against the Brewers this season. Castillo's faced them five times. That's crazy. He's 0-2, but with a 2.79 ERA. So Castillo has been very good against the Brewers. He's walked them a bunch. He's walked them 19 times in 29 innings. That's crazy. 
So I think the Brewers, you'll see a lot of patience from the Brewers. We saw it against the Nationals on Sunday. I expect a lot of the same with uh, Luis Castillo. As for Brandon Woodruff, like I said, looking for that bounce back after a tough, is really his first bad start of the season. Hopefully that does not bleed over. Um, he's had decent numbers against, or no, good numbers against Cincinnati. One, 154 ERA um, in two starts, no, no decisions in either of those. He struck the Reds out 12, allowed 11 hits in 11 innings. So pretty good stuff from Woody. But yeah, he's been a little bit rough here in the last 30 days. A 466 ERA, 0-2 in four starts, and his month of August is much the same. So hopefully we can get a good Brandon Woodruff start. We haven't really got one since that San Francisco start on Saturday the 7th. Uh, the last two, well, the Chicago one is a little bit fraudulent because the Chicago one, he, he exited early, but 74 pitches in three innings. Um, the Atlanta start, the Chicago start, yeah, he's he's actually really st- struggled here in terms of the win-loss, just the Brewers in general. One, two, three, four, five, six. Brewers have lost six of the last eight Brandon Woodruff starts. That's interesting. little fun little stat for you. Um, I, I did not know that. Brewers have had a lot more success with Corbin Burns um, and a lot less with Woodruff. Woodruff has definitely had issues with run support, though, in some of these games. The Brewers have scored one run in a few of those, two runs in another one. Um, they did give him the run support in St. Louis, and he just couldn't come through. And in San Francisco, he didn't have the run support, even though it's, it says nine to six. I mean, that game, that game got crazy as the as the game went on. That was the infamous Avi Garcia lights play. So we'll see if Brandon Woodruff can kind of bounce back. He definitely needs it. Um, we'll see if he can he can find it against the Reds. We'll see what the Reds' sort of motivation is in this one. Obviously, I think they're looking for a win, but we'll see if the comeback you know bleeds into this one. Sometimes those that does. Sometimes it doesn't, but we'll see if the Reds are able to get off the mat in what should be a great game tonight. So Mike Budenholzer got himself paid. Uh, yes, last night, Woj broke the story. That Mike Budenholzer will be here until 2024 and 2025. A lot of the Bud haters are sick and furious. I think if you understand basketball and understand sports, uh, that was bound to happen. It was bound to happen that Mike Budenholzer would get a contract extension from the team that that he helped win an NBA Finals. Even if you are one of those people who say, well, Giannis had a lot to do with it. Look, the relationship between Giannis and Bud is special. Giannis is a loyal guy. You guys know this. I've said this before. I said this when people wanted to fire Bud last year. And I said, look, it was Giannis's call that Bud stayed. I know inside information on that. I just know how Giannis operates. I know how Giannis works. Giannis wanted Bud back. And if the Bucs were to struggle last postseason, and yes, it looked like Bud was very close to being out of a job if they'd lose to Brooklyn in Game 7, they would have probably went with Rick Carlisle, and Rick Carlisle would be the new Bucks coach. I would take a championship 10 times out of 10, maybe 13 times out of 10, and Bud getting a three-year deal. And basically what it means if the Bucs stay successful is they will have Mike Budenholzer for the remainder of the Giannis Antetokounmpo contract and the Drew Holiday contract. So that sort of keeps everything together. It keeps the core unit aligned. And so the Bucks want Bodenholzer to stay 
with this squad. The squad obviously wants Bud to be their head coach. They're okay with it. We'll see if he falls out of flavor at all with Giannis and the team. I find that hard to believe in a weird way because they they like to play for Bud. It seems like Bud has the the ear of his players. He, he seem I don't know if he would call him a player's coach, but I wouldn't call him a hard ass either. I think sometimes he doesn't play young guys enough, um, but I, I do think that's partly due to his system and that he wants to make sure these guys understand his system. So they kind of do a red shirt year regardless. It's rare that rookie sort of breaks through. That would be my only kind of complaint with Bud at times and that he does get stubborn and sometimes the minute stuff is, is an issue. But look, Bud's going to have his full full coaching staff back. He's going to have all his guys back for some reason. They can't get the up to the head coaching position, which sucks. But it, for those guys, but it, it's good for the Bucs. The Bucs have every coach back and they're going to have some players there that are hungry to win a championship. It's not like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who get another mention. I, I heard this from Greg Olson. I thought it was really interesting. And it's something I'll probably bring up a few times when we're talking about the Bucs. But Greg Olson talked about how Tampa Bay doesn't have anybody new on their team. How they brought everybody back. And I realize football, basketball, whatever. But work with me here. Tampa Bay didn't bring anybody new into the fold. So no one on that team is hungry for a championship. They already did it. They're like, what? Why? Why do we care? We we want a championship. We are we are a championship winning football team. We've we've done this already. So why the motivation to win another one besides Tom Brady, who's a psycho? It, it might not be there. And maybe Brady's able to rally the troops and everybody's able to get behind it. But I think the reason why Bill Belichick was so special, and I know a lot of people are like, well, it was Brady, it wasn't Belichick. No, I think it was the combination of the two. Unfortunately, nuance doesn't exist in today's media, but I think it was Brady being a psycho, but Belichick was also a psycho. He's like, every year it was a championship. I don't know if Bruce Arians has that sort of psychotic nature. So to bring this back to the Bucks, the Bucks brought in some new guys. The Bucks have a pretty much a brand new bench. They have guys that are going to be hungry for a championship. And Giannis is a psycho, similar to Tom Brady, that he wants to win at all costs. And I think Drew Holiday has some of that. And again, you now have some new blood that's ready to win. And I think there will be a motivation for guys like Giannis and Chris to get George Hill that ring and make sure that George Hill can succeed just like the other guys. And now expecting back-to-back championships is a little bit aggressive. But as it's been said in the NBA circles, it's the Bucs, it's the Nets, and it's the Lakers, and it's everybody else. So the Bucs are going to be right there. And I think Bud holds these guys together. And I think he's going to be the glue. And I don't think you're going to have Mike Budenholzer completely changing back to his old ways. I don't think Bud's going to completely revert being like, oh, we want a championship. I got a contract extension. Giannis is back to playing 30 minutes. He knows what it takes to win a championship now. You can't undervalue that. And I think that really matters for what the Bucks' future looks like. So I'm very happy that Bud's back. I think it's going to work out well. Um, I Do I expect Milwaukee to win a championship next year? I think they can get there. I think it's going to be a lot harder if it is if it looks like what it is on paper today. 
But it's the NBA. A lot can change. I can't trust the Brooklyn Nets. That's why I think we ranked the teams after free agency. Mitch and I did, I think, about a month ago. Um, and I said, look, I still have the Bucks at the number one spot because I can't, you can't convince me that the Nets are better than the Bucks until they actually play a, a copious amount of games together. Until we see it, until we see them stay healthy, I can't trust, I can't trust the Nets. And the Lakers are very old. I understand LeBron's going to have a ton of motivation to get back. The Wash King is going to be this whole fucking thing that's going to be so annoying all NBA season. But again, a lot of new pieces, a lot of older pieces. Can that be sustainable? We'll see. We'll, we'll just have to see if LeBron is, in fact, going to ascend and, and sort of go to another level. I think what people discount about the Lakers is that Anthony Davis does not want to be a star. Anthony Davis is so glad being the second option on team, but the fact of the matter is is that he needs to be more of the star than ever before with LeBron's age getting up there. So the Bucs are still king, and the Bucs are going to be on top until someone knocks them off. And having Mike Budenholzer there with them and feeling comfortable as the coach because he doesn't have to worry about a new contract is only going to lead to good things. All right, that does it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow. So I know I said, I was like, okay, Evergreen Podcast, here we go. No. I decided, just given my schedule, I'll at least be able to do something tomorrow. Um, Who knows about Friday? I will kind of update you. I'll put it on social if I'm not able to. uh, Tevin Keg, I almost did something. Tevin Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, although you'd get this information from Instagram if, if I wasn't going to be doing the pod, and Twitter, which is tapping the keg. So that's where I would tell you if for some reason I'm like, oh, I can't do the pod Friday. Um, certainly can get a Thursday pod out there for you, for the people. We still might do the Badger, the five five games to watch for Wisconsin, because um, I think it's a good topic. We had a lot of good ones, so that's why we didn't do any Eye on the Enemy today. Um, we were loaded with... Rogers, Brewers, and Bud. Good good times. All right, guys. Have a great Wednesday. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, see you. Bye.